Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, that season of the church year as we head toward the cross and our Savior's suffering and death to pay for our sins. Our order of service today is printed in the bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 400, Sweet the Moments Rich in Blessing. sinful. I have disobeyed you and justly deserve your punishment both now and in eternity, but I am truly sorry for the evil I have thought, spoken, and done. And for the sake of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. searches the heart. Do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I as a called servant of the word announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our epistle reading for this first Sunday in Lent 
is from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. In this reading, Paul gives us that wonderful assurance saying that when we have God for us, we cannot possibly lose. And since we've been brought onto God's team, God's side, since we're believing children of God, we can't lose. Paul wrote, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Alleluia. Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Alleluia. Alleluia. reading is from Mark chapter 1 verses 12 to 15. At the beginning of Lent we again think of our Savior's being tempted by the devil in the wilderness showing his victory over Satan. At once the Spirit, the Holy Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. We'll continue now with hymn number 401, There is a Fountain. See 
since by faith I saw the stream your flowing good supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die, and shall be till I die, and shall be till God's Son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this first Sunday in Lent is our Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. 
Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, today is the first Sunday in Lent. The Lenten season of the church year, it's a, a somber season, and you'll notice the purple altar cloths, pyramids on the altar right now, and those purple altar cloths, one of the thoughts behind them is the, the idea of repentance. Repentance or sorrow for our sins, and our sins which made it necessary for our Savior to suffer and die on the cross for us. The Lenten season, of course, begins on Ash Wednesday, and the significance of that name, Ash Wednesday, is found in, oh, the medieval custom of the early church where, where it was the custom of people to go to church on that day, on Ash Wednesday, wearing sackcloth, burlap material, and, and bare feet. And after they had finished their prayers, what they would do is they would throw ashes on their heads. Those ashes were from the palms that were used the previous Palm Sunday. All this was done so that a person could show his sorrow for his sins. And now even though we may not have the exact same customs and, well, don't need to have the same customs that the early the medieval church had, yet it is good for us to think about our sins and what our sins have done, have caused Jesus to do with going to the cross to pay for our sins. Thank God, though, that we don't have to be consumed by the thought of our sins. We don't have to be consumed at, with that sorrow for sins because through faith in Christ, it's as if we'd never sinned at all. That's what forgiveness, what justification is all about. Our sins, they're graciously washed away. We're forgiven. What a wonderful couple words that is. We're forgiven. In the Lenten season, therefore, of course, we begin by thinking about our sins. 
and then we look to Christ's sacrifice for our sins on Mount Calvary. Today, our reading does take us back to another mountain, to Mount Moriah, where another sacrifice took place. So let's look from Moriah to Calvary and consider the sacrifices made at both places, at both mountains. And as we think about those sacrifices, we'll see a father's willing sacrifice, a son's unquestioning obedience, and then we'll also see a substitute which was offered. What parent would want to trade places with Abraham under these circumstances? When Abraham was 75 years old, God had called him to leave his homeland and go to a land that God would end up showing him. And God said he'd make of him a great nation, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And more importantly, he told Abraham that all peoples on earth would be blessed through him. That was the promise of the Savior, that a descendant of Abraham would be the Savior of the world. Well, Abraham, he waited 25 years for that promise of a son to be fulfilled before God gave him Isaac, the son through whom those promises would be fulfilled. And now this reading takes place Oh, perhaps 10 to 15 years later on, we don't know the exact time, but God told Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Whenever this account is read, I know that our sinful nature just goes after us and wants us to believe that God was asking the, the cruelest thing that he could possibly ask of Abraham, asking him to sacrifice this dearly loved son. But God never does things that are cruel to his believing children. God is always looking out for our good. And God, well, what he was doing, he was, he was testing Abraham and Isaac, testing their faith, so that each of them would grow in their faith in the Savior. And he's also testing us through this account as well. How would we have reacted, though, if we had been in Abraham's shoes or sandals, as I often like to say. What we can notice is that Abraham didn't object or start arguing with God. He didn't even drag his feet. Rather, what our reading says is that early the next morning, he got everything ready so that he could go and do what the Lord had told him to do. When Abraham was reaching Mount Moriah, he told the servants that he had brought along, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. 
Abraham didn't say, we will come back to you because he was trying to conceal from those two servants what he was going to do, what God had told him to do about sacrificing his son. Actually, what Abraham was expressing there is an amazing faith. An amazing faith because he knew that God had promised him that through Isaac, the promise of the Savior would be fulfilled. That a descendant of Isaac would be the Savior of the world. Well, the writer to the Hebrews says of this, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did raise Isaac back from the dead. What a faith Abraham must have had as he raised that knife to slay his dearly loved son. If you and I, you or I had been in Abraham's sandals, we really could have appreciated and would have needed the words that God inspired King Solomon to write, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. As I said, Abraham, he trusted. If God has me go through with this, he'll have to raise Isaac from the dead because God made a promise that through Isaac, the Savior would be born. But now, what was God trying to teach Abraham and Isaac and us also through this? Jesus that answers that question for us when he said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The bond that exists between parents and children, or between husband and wife, those should be extremely close. But it dare not be closer than our relationship with our God. In the meaning to the first commandment, we say we should fear and love and trust in God above all things. Let's think for a moment of the people that we love in this life. Do we love any of those people, be that a spouse or parents or children? Do we love any of them more than we love God? Well, if we do, let's realize that that person or people have become a god or gods or idols or idol, an idol for us. And if that's the case, then... Think of what Jesus said here. He says, if we love someone, something more than we love God, we're not, we're not worthy of God. We'd be headed to eternal destruction. However, let's ask ourselves this question. Why would we love anyone more than we love our God? I mean, just think about what it is that God has done for you. God in his mercy, grace and mercy has given you a savior and has made it possible and it's only through what God has done that it's possible for us to think about anything 
other than eternal punishment. It's only in God that we can look forward to eternal life in heaven. With all that our God has done for us, don't we want God to have our first love? Don't, doesn't that motivate us to fear, love, and trust in God above all things? This portion of scripture is called Abraham tested, but Isaac was also being tested here as he and his father were headed for Mount Moriah for that sacrifice. Isaac asked, asked his dad, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Apparently, Abraham was saying that because he was trying to spare Isaac from any unnecessary pain. And, and really, he wasn't lying in saying that God would provide the lamb because Isaac, Abraham saw Isaac as the sacrificial lamb which God had given to him. When they reached the location, the location where the sacrifice to, was supposed to take place, what Abraham must have done is he must have explained to Isaac what God had told him to do. And it's kind of interesting. Our text tells us nothing about Isaac struggling to get away. And if he had wanted to, well, just think about it. I'm sure that he could have been able to get away from Abraham. Here's Isaac. He's a maybe 10 to 15-year-old boy. And Abraham, by this time, he's 110 to 115 years old. Now, it's amazing to think of what most likely was Isaac's unquestioning obedience to his father, and Isaac's obedience can only remind us of our Savior's unquestioning obedience as he went to the cross to suffer and die for us, as he followed his Father's will. The prophet Isaiah said of Jesus, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Alfred Lord Tennyson in his Charge of the Light Brigade wrote, There's not to make reply, there's not to reason why, there's but to do and die. Now that's the attitude that soldiers need to have, that they follow their orders and accept whatever the consequences may be. And now God wants us to have that same unquestioning obedience in our Christian lives as, as Christian soldiers ourselves. But the wonderful thing for us to realize is that when we obey God without questioning, we won't do and die in that we lose the battle when we follow Christ, when we work to obey his will. Rather, by God's grace, we're the winners, aren't we? As Jesus said, 
Blessed are they who hear the word of God and obey it. Our sinful nature just doesn't like to obey and accept God's directives. Our sinful nature would rather challenge God's challenge God and, and propose some other way for things to take place. A better way, maybe, according to our sinful nature. May God strengthen our faith, build us up in our faith so that instead of challenging God, we follow Abraham and Isaac and especially our Savior's example in striving to obey God's will without question. When Abraham showed God that he loved God more than he loved his dearly loved son, the Lord said, Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Oh, I doubt that God would ever ask any one of us to ever do just what he asked Abraham to do, although he does ask us to do everything to the glory of God. But it was clear here that Abraham really loved God more than he loved his son, that he loved God more than he loved anything else. And let's realize that God wants it to be clear in our lives too, that we love him above all things, that we love him most of all. And again, like I said, when we consider what he's done for us, it really only makes sense, for us as believing children of God, it makes sense anyway, to say, why would I love anyone else more than I love my God? When Abraham drew away from his son, when he drew away from his son, pulled that knife away, what happened then is he saw this ram that was caught in a thicket nearby. And Abraham offered that ram as a substitute sacrifice to God. And Abraham called that place the Lord will provide because the Lord did provide that substitute sacrifice. And that ram does have to make us think about Christ our Savior because he is our substitute sacrifice. Just think of it, because of our sinfulness, because the wages of sin is death, eternal death, we deserve to be sacrificed eternally in the forever fires of hell. But Christ sacrificed himself in our place. God the Father gave up his son for sinners like you and me. And Jesus, the Son of God, he endured and overcame the consuming fires of hell while he was hanging on the cross on Mount Calvary. And so what we can do today is we can look from Moriah to Calvary, Mount Moriah, and there we can think about at Mount Moriah, what should have happened is that Isaac should have been sacrificed. 
but God sent a substitute ram. And at Calvary, Mount Calvary, really what should have happened is Jesus should have been sacrificed. We should have been sacrificed because of our sins. But what God the Father did is he sacrificed his son as our substitute sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to endure the wrath of God. In this Lenten season, oh, we, we do have to mourn the fact that it was necessary for Jesus to die because of my sins and your sins. But isn't it wonderful that we can also rejoice to think about the salvation that Christ won for us on Mount Calvary? Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our strength, the battle of good and evil rages within us and around us, and our ancient foe tempts us with his deceits and empty promises. Keep us steadfast in your word. And when we fall, raise us up again and restore us. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And Lord God, in our prayers today, we, we keep Tony Alfaro in our prayers. As of Friday evening, I believe he still was at McLaren Hospital, struggling a bit after the gallbladder surgery and the pancreatitis that he was dealing with and, and some other issues. And, and we also think about Karen Ripley. She's in the hospital in Marshall. And complications probably from the fall she took a, about a, a little over a week ago. Lord God, we ask you as we think of these, as we think of others in our our 
church family dealing with different aches and pains, trials and troubles. We ask you, dear Lord God, to be with them and, and if it's your will, grant recovery, but, but we always say, keep on giving to them and to all of us more of your grace and love. That's the thing that we need above all things so that we just know how much you love us and we know also how since you love us so much that you gave us a savior, surely you're going to do whatever is necessary for us in this life. What a wonderful thing it is for us to be able to cast all our cares on you and know that you care for us. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Again, I'd say thank you for joining me for worship today. A couple announcements to share with you. Monday I will be going to a pastor-teacher conference in Lake Orion. I'll be coming back on Tuesday. Actually, I'm going to take the chance on Tuesday to stop in and see Bev Williams. Some of you may remember her. Her health is failing a little bit at the present time. But otherwise, in our congregation, well, Wednesday is our second Lenten service. Pastor A.J. Kundi from Hope in Portland will be here talking about grace, God on trial, testimony is the, the theme on which he'll preach. That service at 6.30, soup supper at 5.30. I will be here for a very little bit at the beginning of that dinner. Wednesday is Kevin and Deb Spitzley's anniversary. It's also Lisa and Brian Vanderlee's anniversary. And Thursday, George Washington's birthday told you about Tony Alfaro, about Karen Ripley, dealing with consequences from a fall for her. Um, keep thinking about Diane Kennedy dealing with her back issues, getting some shots that hopefully 
Malhoshatz and maybe some therapy to help her get moving a little faster. But please keep all these people and everybody else in our prayer list in your prayers. Uh, also keep thinking about, about Paula Burris with her legs and her issues. Again, I say thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you always.